0: Sit, boo, sit, boo, sit. Girl, I'm a doctor. That's some bad hat hair, It's a cool
1: story. <laughs> Get any of that? Not a doctor. Bye. Have a beautiful day. Bremula. I'm not
0: about. I'm are about.
1: Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge-watch, deep-dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordas. I'm Damas Leary. And today we'll be discussing A League of Their Own, Season 1. Damask Leary, mm-hmm. what's the happy haps?
2: Um, well, we were just chatting about it just then. Um, so I really enjoyed watching Paper Girls and how it's been cancelled, so that's that.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting one to bring up, actually, because it's sort of... It's like on the the sub list of the shows we might review we've mm. had an actually review a request to check it out, and I didn't know until I saw your tweet the other day that you enjoy it yeah. enjoyed it that you'd watched it. Um, in case we do do a full review, don't go too in depth, but what did you think of season one?
2: Yeah, I really liked it. It was very it was really fun um, I think there are a couple of issues here and there, but the majority of it was a really enjoyable show. I think young kids uh, into young teens, I should say. So kids and young teens will really like it. I mean, it's a fantastic adventure. Um, It was, yeah, it was a cool ride and it was really interesting and unlike um, a lot of the other stuff on TV at the moment. So yeah, really disappointing. And obviously it's got one of my favorites, Jason Manzucas in it.
1: Sure. Actually, one thing we didn't talk about is um, what exactly Paper Girl is. I knew it was based on a comic book series Mm. that was created by Brian K. Vaughan, who created Why the Last Man, which was a Mm. series we reviewed at the end of last year, was it, earlier this year, whenever it was, Um, and Cliff Chang, I believe, or Chung, Um, and it'd been a popular series. Um, I think people were excited about this. Was this on Amazon as well? What? what sh-
2: yeah, it was on Amazon. So I didn't know anything about it. Either. I just know Jason Manzoukas, um was speaking about it very briefly mm. on how did this get made. And he didn't really talk much about it. He's just like, go watch it. So I did. Um, so yeah, it's just about a group of girls who are paper girls mm-hmm. um, in the 80s. Some weird stuff happens and they get sent into the future um, where they are trying to figure out uh, all this time travel stuff and meeting their older selves and all yep. that stuff. And it's really fun.
1: No, that was really spoiled because all of that was in the trailer that I watched yeah. as well. But um, It's in yeah. like the first
2: 10 minutes of the show. Oh, well, yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah, it all happens pretty quickly. Um, so that's sad news to hear that's been and gone, basically. And yeah, the problem done. is these things these things is when they've been and gone like this sort of flown under the radar and only really knew i knew about it but hadn't really known it arrived mm. wasn't hear a lot of buzz about it and now it's gone and it'll probably never be spoken about again which is yeah. always a sad thing it
2: is really sad and, like some really great young actors in it like all the girls did a fantastic job so very disappointed for them
1: um before we move into our review for this episode, I did want to also bring up something, a uh, correction that I made over and over, a mistake I made over and over again on our Ms. Marvel review. Oh, no, I we've th- done. <laughs> I want to thank Steve, um, a very devoted listener of the podcast to bring this up. <laughs> we were talking, and I was the chief person who stuffed this up but we were talking okay. about ms marvel and yeah. in episodes uh, four and five yeah. it takes place overseas in pakistan in a city called karachi not mumbai which i said a million times over um, oh. so
0: i'm gonna blame <laughs> I'm yeah gonna, no, listen up. it wasn't pulled
1: yeah. up by my co-host i might add so uh
2: <laughs> no not at all i didn't even notice Fucking yeah that's and that's bad.
1: Either that's just me being shit geography uh, or me being uh, closet racist. I'm not really sure which one it is, but um, I mean, I think the listeners
2: would like to know which one it is. <laughs> it's,
1: the, it's the first one. I not okay. believe it's the first one. Um, right. uh, yeah, so apologies for getting that one really yeah, wrong. Yeah,
0: super sorry. Whoopsie. Really wrong. That's
1: um, shit. Anyway, <laughs> with all that uh, out of the way now, let's get to our spoiler-free review of A League of Their Own Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. A League of Their Own is an American period sports comedy drama series co created by Will Graham and Abby Jacobson as an adaption of the Gina Davis and Tom Hanks classic 1992 film of the same name. Diverging greatly from its source material with new characters and storylines, the focus on World War II era women's professional baseball team, the Rockford Peaches, remains. Co-creator Abby Jacobson stars alongside Shante Adams, Darcy Carden, Roberto Colendrez... Gemizola Icamello, Kelly McCormack, Molly Ephraim, Melanie Field, Priscilla Delgado, and Ron Swanson himself, Nick Offerman. Season 1 of A League of Their Own arrived in full on Amazon Prime Video on August 12th, 2022, containing 8 episodes, each coming in at around 54 minutes, and took us approximately 7 hours and 10 minutes to watch. At the time of this recording, it has not been officially announced if A League of Their Own will return for a second season, though creators have confirmed that they are working on scripts. So, before we get to our spoiler-free review, Damask, I did want to ask you, how familiar are you with A League of Their Own, the original 992 film, and um, are you a fan of this film? How do you feel coming into this TV reboot, we'll say, or reimagining?
2: Look, you know what? Um, I'm not going to go too much into it, because a lot of that is in my spoiler-free review. Let's just say I have watched the film. Um, and I was very excited, but also there's quite a bit of trepidation around a reboot being made. Sure. Um,
1: yeah, I'm familiar with the, the movie. I feel like it was one of those movies that was on pretty regularly on TV. Mm. And I, I did go out of my way to re watch the film before watching the series because I knew I enjoyed the film. I always yeah. had enjoyed the film. Um, wasn't necessarily one I owned. It wasn't like in my Blu-ray collection or anything like that. But Should had a be? good time with it, maybe. And I mean, Gina Davies is like at the height of her powers as well. Oh so my it was a good gosh! Time watching. <laughs> Just,
2: yeah, really defining. You know, really. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, for both of us, by the sounds of it. Mm. And um, but yeah, going back to watch it, I realized I hadn't. I I'd, I'd seen the movie a lot. I'd mm. probably missed the first. Half an hour, a lot though, too. <gasps> Does that make sense?
2: That's got like one of my favorite lines in it in the entire I, film. I when, um, tell you- John yep. Lovitz turns to a cow and says, oh, yeah. Will you shut up? <laughs> that it's was always gets
1: improv, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I realized I'd forgotten that Judd Lovitz was in it. I realized that I'm trying to think where I I came into the movie most of the time, mm. and it was about the time that Tom Hanks walks into the film. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Where he literally yeah. walks into the locker Does room and piss, takes yeah. a giant piss. I think yeah. from there on, I sort of like knew the movie beat for beat just about. Mm. But but the bit before it where they're getting. Um, they're yeah, they're getting sort of recruited. Mm. I didn't remember it all. <laughs> and it's there pretty important too, because it really defines the character the yeah, dynamics between super the two main characters. Yeah. <laughs> um so that was nice to see that finally. Uh but yeah, no, I was a fan of the show and hearing about this becoming a, I was a fan of the movie and hearing about it becoming a TV show. Equally like there's that moment that idea of trepidation, like that, mm. Mm, can they do justice to the original? But also thought it sort of like made a lot of sense, like um, something that's based around so many different characters that's Mm -hmm. female centric, that's obviously very political for the time, that is also can be played over multiple seasons. Unlike the original movie, which is just over one season, it's sort of you could see how you could expand upon that original idea in a really enjoyable Mm -hmm. and gratifying way. So when in... Enthusiastic. And when Abby Jacobson was attached to it so early on, Darcy Carden and these sorts of people yeah. it was like there was reasons to be enthusiastic or yeah. optimistic.
2: Well that's I think. the thing is that it was clearly going to be made by people who grew up with the film and yeah. obviously loved it, um, one would think as much as I did. So that was encouraging.
1: Yeah. With all that in mind then, Damask, could you please give us your spoiler free review on a League of Their Own season one.
2: I can, indeed. <laughs> I can. <sighs> All right, so about a month ago I was sitting in my classroom and one of my students asked what my favourite films were and I hate that question, not because I don't have any but because I have a terrible memory as all you listeners would know and I, I just can't remember any films. Um, so, But I will say that no matter what, I can't list them all but I can always remember two, one being The First Wives Club you know, it's a timeless comedy classic starring three women at the height of their comedic genius. Almost perfect film. The other is, unsurprisingly, A League of Their Own. I had a copy on VHS that I'd recorded off of the TV. As you were saying, the that movie was on Australian TV. I don't know, like every three months. It was, yeah. it was always, That's always on TV. Happy
1: Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Uh, what's the other one? Billy Madison, um, Groundhog Day, and Terminator mm. 2, I'm pretty yes. sure.
2: Always. Just on rotation. <laughs> Just yeah. those. That's it. Um, yeah, the, it seemed to constantly be on the TV, but that wasn't enough. I had to tape it one day when it was on TV. I need my own copy. I need to watch it all the time. Even now as an adult, I watch it probably a few times a year. Uh, to rewatch the film brings me back to... You know, being a teeny tiny girl playing in the backyard with a with a mitt in hand of a sport I had never seen a game of. I know. really like, have a
1: baseball mitt.
2: I had a baseball a baseball mitt. I mean, a baseball it's not that back. baseball
1: isn't played in Australia, but it's not a popular sport by real standards.
2: It was my brother's. I don't know why he had it, or maybe someone went to America and brought it back for him. I don't know why we had a baseball mitt, but we did. Interesting. Um so I was constantly in the backyard. Squaring up to the backside of my cubby house, throwing the baseball into my mitt, looking over to an imaginary Gina Davis. You know, I'd be seriously considering what kind of pitch I would throw. She'd offer up one suggestion with a hand signal. I'd shake my head. It wasn't the time for a curveball, it was the championship game. The bases were loaded. I couldn't risk it. Then finally, Gina and I would agree straight down the middle with lightning speed. Bam! The ball would smash up against the cubby house. Imaginary Gina had caught it. I'd toss my hands in the air and celebrate my victory. I brought it home for the Rockford Peaches. Now it sounds it sounds very braggy to say, but I won every championship I ever played in that backyard. Wow. I am to this day undefeated. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Every I time you don't lead with this? This is incredible. <laughs> every time those imaginary bases were loaded. Three strikes, they're out, you know, and the, the, the crowd cheered. Look, I was a little girl who had scraped knees, wore baggy shorts and basketball jerseys. I spent my days climbing trees, sword fighting, and imagining a great big life full of boundless adventures. Having a film that depicted women having their own adventures, surrounded by possibilities, and a fiery desire to be somebody, that meant a lot. I didn't fully understand why I was so in love with that film. I now do. <laughs> so, and it's many reasons, this not to see obvious. Is, there's a few. Thank you. <laughs> so, when I say that this film or that film, I should say, is ingrained in my soul, I mean it. I have a Rockford Peach patch, not on a uniform, but on my heart. So, to come back 25 years later from when I'd first seen the film, to a recreation of something so precious and to find that it reflects me in a way that I couldn't have even imagined as a child is joyful in a way that is difficult to describe. The original film showed me various manifestations of womanhood. These depictions were limited by the time. It was the 90s after all. However, it still made space for me as a little girl to see myself. But now in 2022, so much more space has been made. In the new version of this story, we're able to paint the picture with a few more colours. I can only imagine what else will be seen and acknowledged in another 20, 25 years and the stories that will be created. Maybe our kids will have their very own A League of Their Own Reboot filled with secret lives we didn't know about but were hidden inside them. They'll play in the backyard, imagining a world that is so much bigger than it seems now. So let's focus a little bit more on this show. This show has moments that echo the original. However, it's given the space to explore new avenues and perspectives. We have the addition of Max. In the original film, the only acknowledgement of segregation in sport is brief and insufficient. I can't speak to how effective or affecting this representation is to people of colour, but the story itself worked for me. It can be Dangerous, I think, in a show to tell two stories at the same time um, when they are seemingly disconnected. Thankfully, the world that Max lives in is compelling and full of characters that I have great affection for. So I never felt like I was being pulled away from the story I wanted to watch. Um, it was, I think, those two things side by side worked really well together and stood in, in their own right. Now, we spend most of the show with Carson, Greta, and Lupe. Each of these characters totally worked for me. Carson is a reluctant leader, discovering her own identity. Greta is a seemingly self-assured bombshell and life of the party. And Lupe is a headstrong, focused athlete. They are each given life and allow the viewers an endearing entry point into this moment in history. My only hope for future seasons is that the rest of the Rockford Peaches have an opportunity to shine as bright. I would really like to see more from each of those ladies. I've held such love for Penny Marshall when she made the film back in the day. I have now almost the same amount of love for Abby Jacobson and Will Graham. I really, really enjoyed this show. It added new depths to a property that I consider a religious text. Also, they made it Super gay. Like <laughs> really gay. You guys, this show is so gay. And for that, I give it five out of five Rosie O'Donnells.
1: When <laughs> you told me that before I started watching it. I think you was like, This it's really gay. And I was like, oh, okay. And like I watched the first episode, oh yeah, I see. It's it's pretty gay. Yeah. And the second episode, like, yeah, this is, this is pretty yeah. gay. And the more I when I was like, wow, this show is really, really gay. <laughs> gay. Damascus yeah. right. I, t- I told you. More, 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 yeah, even, even after you told me, it was like, it's more gay than I thought it was going to be. It's, it's really gay, gay, gay than the
2: L word. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's so gay. But yeah. like it's also much, much better than the L word. Totally. Fucking out. That's not hard to
1: do. I, I mean, I was going to say, I can't comment. But from what I've heard, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. It's, it is always an interesting proposition to remake or revive something so beloved. It is risky. Um, to change things, but you also don't want to just be derivative of the thing that came before it. Mm. And there is a decent amount that is similar about uh, A League of Their Own, uh, the TV show, to the movie. It has, obviously, the same setting, has the same basic setup, has the same baseball team, the Rockford Peaches. Mm It has a similar mix of sport, comedy, and the drama genres. And on those fronts... I think it's the TV show is similarly effective. If there's one bit I think is maybe lesser, particularly lesser than the, than the movie, um, it's the baseball. I think, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily what the show is trying to do, obviously, but we can't deny that baseball and sport is a part of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the baseball is better handled, or the sports are, s- are somewhat better handled in the movie, I think. So if you're coming here because you want sports capital S genre – Mm. which is a thing, like, I talk about how much I love sports movies like Creed and stuff like that, then you'll get it, but you might not get as much as you want. Mm. Um, I think the comedy is there, if not more so, and obviously a bit more modern and sillier, but it charms just as equally as the movie does, I think. Um, While the dramatic thrust, while equally rooted in character and interpersonal dynamics like the movie is, is thematically the biggest departure from the movie. Uh, in many ways, the movie is about two things. Number one, can women's baseball be a genuine popular sport? And then there's the complicated sister relationship between Gina Davis and her, whose name I can't remember all of a sudden, the character's name, and Kit, the sister. Um, the first part is still there. The bit about, like, women's baseball, can it be popular, can it succeed? But the sister thing is gone mm-hmm. as replaced with other gayer things. <laughs> And much bigger things, I think, than just, like, <laughs> yeah. one interpersonal relationship um, mm. between two sisters. Which is compelling in the movie, don't get me wrong, and great for a two-hour film. Um, but, yeah, some of the stuff in here was quite surprising. Um, and maybe best left- We've alluded to it heavily already, <laughs> but we'll discuss that a lot more when we get two spoilers. Mm-hmm. Importantly, though, it nails three elements, I think. It is character-focused first. Those characters are complex and compelling, and at all times it maintains an energy that sucks you in. Um, In that way, among other obvious similarities, I think if I'm trying to like, and comparison is not always a great thing to do when you're trying to review something, but I would favorably compare this to a show that we both loved before it was Mm. unceremoniously canceled before season four. And it reminds me of my feelings on Glow in a lot of ways. Mm. Mm. I love that show. Yeah, right. It may be not as quite as effortlessly slick as Glow's first mm-hmm. season was, at least not to me. Um, and That might also be because this show has a longer runtime with its episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's trying to do more. It's trying to buy it off a little bit more. Um, so maybe not quite as slick, um, but it's pretty close. And I really, really, really enjoyed season one of A League of Their Own. Um, I can't, don't think I can surpass what you're saying i look forward to where this show can grow and how it can build off this super solid foundation like you and like we did with glow i hope that it finds room and i think it will to Mm. flesh out more of the rockford peaches more characters in this world find stories for them as well um because the glimpses we do get at them are quite interesting and given enough time and space um I think it could grow into a really, really fantastic show and already is an excellent show to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, with that all being said, Damask, you scored this already, five out of five, <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell, Is that right?
2: Um, I gave it five out of five, Rosie O'Donnell, That's true. Um, I think I'll give it a 4.5, though.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I'm going to go slightly lower and say mm-hmm. it's a four, but it is a high mm-hmm. four. It is excellent. Five, I've often said, is sort of verging on masterful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if it's masterful storytelling or masterful TV, if that makes sense. Not like something like Succession or um, Severance or some of those shows which really are like pushing the genre and the format into places we've never been before, but it is excellent and I had yeah. a fantastic time with it and I would highly recommend it to anyone.
2: Before we slide into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by pitching five stars or a glowing review our way. And to bring
1: the deal home, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1.
2: We'd also love you to share hunting seasons with anyone in your life that obsessively wants to talk to you about TV. Throw this curveball their way and they'll thank you for it it. Right.
1: Next week, we're back with an Off-Topic Hot Topic bonus episode, followed the week after by our review of Barry Season 3. If you'd like to contribute a question, topic, or story to Off-Topic Hot Topic, or if you have any thoughts on Barry or A League of Their Own, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for A League of Their Own Season 1. Deep Deep Dive.
0: Cool to know other people think about this
1: stuff too. Where would you like to start? What would you like to talk about the m- most? Look, um, room?
2: you've got to be warned. I have no notes. I oh, just okay. watched the show most of the time. I was red wine drunk and fully invested. So, where should we? I think starting with Carson. Obviously, she's our our entry point at the yep. very beginning of um the show. I think when you've got a, a showrunner or co-creator, I should say, um, leading something like this, you always wonder if it's going to be good or are they the right person for that role or have they Mm -hmm. just put them there? I think Abby Jacobson, to me, is endlessly endearing and charming. Um, I personally love her sense of humour and there are echoes of her character from Broad City. Sure. That level of awkwardness that she brings mm-hmm. to the character, I think, uh, makes a lot of sense, um, particularly on the journey that we're going to go on. Um, so, at the very beginning, that first scene when we see her running with a bra out, um, and then chatting to that woman about the, you know, the romance in, I think it's Jane Austen novels. Um, All that stuff. I was like, okay, I feel confident at this level. Who knows? It might be a disaster, but at this stage, I'm feeling good. I I heard
1: some criticisms, uh, or at least some concerns that maybe Abby Jacobson came across as a bit too modern, that not Mm -hmm. of the era. Did you feel you said that you felt some of the similarities to a character in Broad City? Did you Mm. get that sense at all? Did that give you was that a problem for you at all?
2: I got a sense of that. Mm. Was it a problem? Not really. Um. Yeah, she, I think she does feel like a a modern person, mm-hmm. um, but I also think that matches the majority of what we see in the show. While there's obviously a lot of like sure. um, social stuff that is of the time that they're touching on, but I think all of the characters feel pretty modern to me.
1: So, there's a, a few major storylines for her. I mean, just her running away from her husband, Charlie, who is... Mm-hmm. Gone to war as um, Hush, was yeah. big part of what had been what happen- <laughs> what happens with our characters in the movie <laughs> as well, obviously. Um, but then, unlike the movie, mm-hmm. um, she forms connection, a romantic connection with particularly with Greta, basically with yeah. Darcy Carden's character. Um, how did you find that storyline?
2: Oh boy. <laughs> um- <laughs> Darcy Carden. Look, (laughs) um, you know, honestly, I feel flustered. I feel flustered even thinking about it. Um, I thought immediately, I was like, gay, gay. Everything happening between these two people is so gay. Um, Lingering looks Mm -hmm. abound. Um, So that was exciting. And then. The speed with which we are propelled into that relationship is fantastic. I was like, oh, no, it's going to be seven episodes of pining and that's going to kill me. Um, But I thought it made sense in terms of the character being so enamoured by someone like Greta. Mm -hmm. So that by itself I enjoyed. I was like, well, that makes sense that this kind of smaller Town, not not a farm girl, small small town girl meets this person who seems so free and so confident, Mm. all these things that she wants to be, but doesn't feel that she is or could be um, and is drawn to that. But what I really loved on the flip side of that is the things that we come to know about Greta and not necessarily, you know, the details of that tragic backstory, um, but the genuine... Um, fear that one would have at the time Mm -hmm. and all of the things that you have to do to protect yourself, that whole dynamic playing out between them while trying to fall in love was really interesting to me.
1: Greta as a character, uh, played by Darcy Carden, is I think a really hard one to get the balance right Mm -hmm. because at times she can be so frustrating she could almost be a villain, particularly like you think about how the first episode ends with her like the kissing and then she's going home with a guy and, like... I think I leaving. yelled out,
2: you fucking bitch! Like, I was just <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: leaving, leaving Carson sort of just sort of in the lurch, having taken her on yeah. this journey that maybe she didn't know about herself yet or yeah. was really figuring
2: and then, out. Like, and sort of- yeah, the next day or whatever, pretending like she didn't know what Carson was talking about. I'm like, oh, she's one of those girls. Fuck her. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they really lent into that at the what, first episode and a half that she could be someone who is so almost careless with what she's doing. Totally. When in fact it's the opposite. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I th- I don't think that plays back and forth throughout the season either. Mm. As much as you sort of do believe there is an affection there, there's also seem there were like just as things were getting going, Greta'd be putting the brakes on things and coming up mm-hmm. with excuses for why they couldn't do things and it was just like this back-and-forth frustration that needed to be there. And as the season goes on, you find out more about Greta and about, like, why she is the way she is. It, mm. it becomes crystal clear. Um, but I, I, th- I think I appreciated Darcy Carden's performance because, mm. like I said, it would be easy just to either n- ignore those elements that are frustrating and try and paper over them with her charisma or... Or fall too easily into like, I actually really dislike this person because she keeps fucking up over our main character so much.
2: I think if it wasn't played by someone who is so extremely talented as Mm. Darcy Carden is, which we knew from, you know, watching all those seasons of Good Place and Barry, all that stuff. We knew she was amazing. If you didn't have someone that good, um, that charismatic, but also with that level of softness and vulnerability Mm. they could really lean into the too cool for school and i fucking hate those characters when you're like i understand that you know a character like carson is meant to think she's super super cool but i also need to see a person underneath there and she plays that really well
1: uh this is like the first gay element let's say that the show throws us. Um, we're going to come back to many more. <laughs> There's lots of it. As it's said. the
2: cornerstone, but what you come to find out is the whole house is built against gayness. 100%. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: um, and it might be easy to, to come back to this that, that topic as we go through the other ones. Mm. Before we move on to Carson, though, how did you find her storyline of sort of becoming the um, begrudging coach of the Rockford Peaches? <laughs>
2: Okay, great in theory, and I do like what they're doing. I've got to say this, though. Uh, It's probably my only genuine criticism mm -hmm. um, is that I don't think Abby Jacobson is good at giving inspirational speeches. Sure. Because, like, there is an air of someone's going to, like, throw a pie in her face or something. You know what I mean? There's, like, an (laughs) element of there's always going to be this, kind of um, squeamish uh, edge of em- embarrassment about her yeah. and her performance. And so for her then to flip into, I'm going to inspire this group of women to believe in themselves or to like fight it out one more time. I, I There were moments where I didn't quite believe it.
1: I think uh, I agree with you in a lot of ways. I think, whether it's Abby, Abby Jacobson or where it, whether it's the character of Carson, but it is hard mm. to believe that she can be a leader of women just because she doesn't really... She doesn't have a natural flair for it. And that's obviously the journey. She's meant to be growing yeah. into this. But, mm-hmm. like, how far down that road do we get? And listen, they... You know, spoilers. We're in spoiler section. They didn't win. So, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that's still to come. It's not like yeah. she quite got them there yet. So, that's a different thing too. But um, But what helped me, I think, to... To mitigate that problem was that the coaching techniques she was using were actually quite legitimate. Mm. Things like getting other people to get involved and to give those rousing speeches, to build connection through vulnerability and all these sorts of things, Mm. little things that they've maybe touched on in shows like Ted Lasso and stuff as well. Um, But even like remembering to make sure you're having fun. It's not just about doing the drills a million times and knowing how to do your stealing bases and stuff like that. But like remembering that it's a game and ultimately there to have fun. And these are all legitimate things that get talked about And I've witnessed through um, not being involved in sport necessarily, but following sport closely, particularly AFL in Australia. And like, that's legitimate stuff. And it's, Mm. that helped to see, oh yeah, that, you know, they've done their homework with this sort of stuff. I can see why this stuff's working. So that was, that helped me a lot. Um, I thought it was interesting though, and a great choice ultimately, that obviously in the movie, if we're talking about differences, Mm. Tom Hanks' character is their manager. And that's a big part of it. They have Mm. this male washed up, um, baseball player who comes in um, to take over and he's unenthusiastic to begin with, uh, but needs to learn to sort of do it for them and and find the joy in it and mm-hmm. get as invested in the, as the women are. Um, How do you find that change um, from the movie?
2: Well, one, I think the casting of Nick Offerman was so smart at subverting my expectations. I thought he because, was in for the whole season. Yeah, because I absolutely love Tom Hanks' character in A League of Their Own. Like, you know, we see Mm. that he has all of these struggles himself and genuinely loved the game as much as Gina Davis' character does and that's how they really connect. Um, But he destroyed himself, he let himself down and he hasn't been able to forgive himself until, you know, we see his journey in the film. Um, And then you cast Nick Offerman in the role as coach of the Rockford Peaches you know, most famously known for his role in Parks and Rec, who is this kind of curmudgeonly grumpy person who is actually, you know, an inspiring leader and friend to those around him mm. um, and great supporter of women. So that that was my expectation. And then to find out that he's not going to improve, he's actually worse than you initially think, and then he's just gone, mm. um, it was smart. I was like, "Huh, I didn't see that coming."
1: The him being a different sort of bad mm. to what Tom Hanks's character is, where I was like, oh, "Okay, cool. Uh, you know, he'll be a part of this entire show, but his journey's gonna be very different because he's mm. more of sort of like a swindler type yeah. sort of guy than he is just completely uninterested, like Tom Hanks's character is." But then that's the bit. I agree with you. Is like the fact that he just disappears. It's mm-hmm. like there is no send off for this guy. He's just there's a bit happening over here during one of the games. He takes off and we never see him again. And no <laughs> one talks. Well, I mean, it talks about, but it's yeah. like he doesn't reappear. He gets no moment. He's just gone.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I love that.
2: Actually, Me too. <laughs> yeah, that was good.
1: I thought that was great. Great, great way to subvert expectations and to make the show like even more. Women focused, which I think it makes sense for for this story to be. Um, I guess the other character that really surrounded Carson in a big way was the roommate of Shirley and Shirley finding out um, that uh, Carson, uh, what'd she call her? Um, one of those
2: queers? It was just queers simply queers. Time? Queers maybe us yeah. queers most of the time. Because yeah.
1: there was also the idea of the inverts, which is a different thing yes. as well. Um but uh yeah. How'd you feel about that character? I, I, I kind of liked the setup to that, like when this finally happens is going to be a big problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Solution was a little pat.
2: Yeah.
1: Um That yeah, I was a little I was t- a touch disappointed with how quickly that resolved, I guess.
2: Yeah, I I, at first I was like, oh, this character is quite cartoony, but I don't Mm -hmm. know. I came to really enjoy the character of, was it Shirley? Shirley, Um, I'm pretty sure. I know. I think it might be the actress. I found her performance quite funny most of the time. I think when they find out that dove isn't returning or they've seen some commotion on the sidelines and she goes, oh my God, he's dead. And they're like, we just saw him. (laughs) That's not the issue is that he's died. (laughs) Like little things like that. I was like, that's funny. Um, Obviously she's suffering from like OCD and perhaps some other kind of things as well. Um, I, she was, I don't know, a nice little comedic moment here and there. I didn't put too much thought into it. Obviously, yes, the panic of, oh, she's going to out us. Um, obviously what happened with Joe was terrible. And then you can kind of really see the consequences of what that could mean. Um, to the women involved was quite scary. Um, I can see what you're talking about in terms of the resolution being Pat. I'm just trying to think of another way you could do it when someone... It could have been
1: another season. It could have been there was some sort of like resolution reached, but for it to build up to that and then it didn't really have any major consequences, I guess. Mm. Um, It kind of was just, are you going to get on board... And like, I, it was. It, I guess it was kind of more Shirley's story um, because it was all about her overcoming her fears or her insecurities mm. or her like ridiculous phobias and stuff like that she had going mm. on. Um, but again, it's very. It was a very pat resolution. She just kisses Carson. Comedic, uh, you know, like in a, in a you know, it's like, what are you doing? This is wild. But then like, oh, I didn't. I'm not queer either. Mm. And it's like, it's. Resolved. I did enjoy
2: Carson's like response. <laughs> One thing I really love about. That Abby Jacobs does all the time. Um, Jacobson, Jacobs. Uh, Jacobson? Jacobs. Jacobson? Jacobs? Oh Jacobson. Jacobson. Hold on. Let me I've written that ja- down. Jacobson. It's Jacobson. Jacobson. Um, one thing that Abby Jacobson does that she does it all the time that I really enjoy is like a whisper to herself and a side mm. that she does. Anyway, when Shirley kisses her, she's like, I didn't ask for that. Like it was just, <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, no, I see what you're saying.
1: Moving on from Carson then, Max is our other, really our other lead Mm -hmm. and and the lead of the second storyline of this. And as you pointed out in your review, the one that took what was a token moment in the film and went, actually, Mm -hmm. we should probably give this, and and maybe they couldn't in the 90s, maybe they wanted to. And obviously, of the era, it probably was the the situation that African-American women weren't allowed to play in um, the All-American League. But we found a way to make a story for Max. Mm Mm-hmm. uh, obviously, the, f- the first storyline for her is just simply that she can't play, as great as yeah. she is. And they allude to, with a direct homage, to the woman who throws the ball and instead of hitting Gina Davis, you know, hits the other uh, person at the back. she got mm-hmm. a massive arm on her, gives yeah. a little nod. Everyone nods, respect, goodbye, no more people of colour in our movie. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, but Max does a similar thing and throws the ball into the stands and impresses everybody, but still not allowed to play. Yeah. How did you find Max's storyline?
2: I was really worried when it started. I was like, oh, how are they going to make this work without it feeling like they've just stuck this on top of an already existing show mm-hmm. to um, curb any criticisms um, that might be raised? And I was like, please don't be shit. Like, I was I was genuinely worried that I wouldn't enjoy it, that it would feel obviously like tacked on. Um and that I would be disappointed by that. That's not how I felt. Um, I think the character of Max is quite hard. Um, I mean, she's bullheaded and all of those things, but the softness that we see with her is really lovely, particularly her friendship. With Clance, I really mm-hmm. loved. I love mm-hmm. the woman who plays Clance. She's so good.
1: 100% agree.
2: Yeah. Um, and I think that brought a lot of heart. And I was really invested in their friendship. I was really invested in um, Clance and her husband and him going to war. That that was quite heartbreaking seeing um, the amount of stress he was under and the amount of fear he had. Um, but every loss and every win max experienced i i was there with her and Mm -hmm. it it didn't feel secondary in nature um it felt like this is this could be its own show as well and we're going to give it just as much time and and love as as the other storyline which was great
1: I was genuinely surprised how separate it kind of was. It was it's not that they didn't cross over in, in some little ways, particularly Max and Carson form a friendship. Mm. Um, they're sort of in the second half of the season, basically. Yeah. Um, but I was expecting uh, sooner than not, Max is going to end up at Rockford Peach. And it really doesn't happen. Like, by the end of this season, yeah. Max is on her own journey doing a, a complete different thing that may still come around to that one day. I could foresee that being the mm-hmm. case. In fact, I think it probably will. Yeah, I think, um, like,
2: because we have this more modern sensibility, while obviously that did not happen um, in reality, people of colour... Oh, sorry, I should say black people weren't allowed to play um, mm-hmm. in the league. Um, I was like, well, that's not going to happen. But if the show continues to do its own thing, um, even more so than it already has, then yeah, it, it could happen.
1: It can be done and you can still tell a, a story about exploitation or something like that. Like there are, there are many ways to still make Max's journey through the All-American League very different from what Carson and the other girls are going through mm-hmm. by nature of however that might come to pass.
2: But anyway. Pay, accommodation, yeah, treatment, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, We're getting way ahead of ourselves when we even talk about that. (laughs) Because there's actually so much else going on with Max Mm. beyond even the obvious just like segregation of black and white America sort of thing going on here. But I agree with you on – the first thing I agree with you on is just the relationship between between Max and Clance, which Mm. is amazing and it it just proves once again how important character is. It's like when you – You form and there's just chemistry between these two leads and I like being around them and Mm -hmm. I care about them. My investment is so much higher so quickly. Yeah, Um, It pays off in spades because you can have scenes with Clance doing her own thing and Mm -hmm. I care. Her comic book thing that she's got going on, the stuff going on with her and her husband, um, the fact that by the end of this season we find out she's pregnant, I think is what they're alluding to there, right? Like there's all this other stuff going on there too. Even just the, the the strain on the friendship between Max and Clance because of Max's obsession and the things she keeps from him and so forth or the selfishness she has about her own endeavours. I was on board for all of that mm-hmm. just because that fucking great to be around. That's all yep. it takes.
2: Yeah, I wanted them to be friends and if there was an issue, yeah. I wanted them to
1: Resolve. solve
2: it Um, or if they were just having fun, I wanted to sit and watch them have fun.
1: Similarly, though, I was really invested in Max, the relationship between Max and her family, particularly her mother. Like, mm. they set that up beautifully. The, and why her mum was the way she was about what Max needed to be doing and focusing on building the business and trying to mm. give her all these advantages that she had to work so hard for and seeing Max, you know, throw those sorts of things away. Totally on board for that.
2: Yeah, the comment of, well, one, her mum wanting her to read the letters um, Mm. of their family. I was like, okay, yeah, you can understand the fear of not having um, a way to empower yourself, but then adding on top of that uh, the acknowledgement that her mum kind of says, you know, I I knew that you were going to be different Mm -hmm. and that you probably weren't going to be attached to a man. So you need like your own foundation and I wanted to build that for you was really interesting as well.
1: All of that stuff just seemed so tangible, and like the letters mm-hmm. were a great like, even though Max doesn't read those letters, right? Yeah, it's like just the the presence or the existence of these letters, this idea, something. It just felt very tangible and not theoretical, and like, I, how could you not be that way if you're in mm-hmm. her situation? Loved all of that. I thought it was yep. beautifully done. Um, but then we go further with Max in a place I really, really didn't see coming. A, she's also gay and gay. into women, super mm-hmm. gay. Mm-hmm. Has been gay for longer than Carson has. Been yep. doing her own thing <laughs> in she the background. Did it first, <laughs> did it first. Um, but then really, really went further with it, the idea of not just sexuality, but her gender identity mm. and um, what was happening between her mother and her uncle, mm. um, who, as the the term that was being used in the show, not one I would use, the idea of invert. Mm. Um, meaning a trans person. I honestly just could not have imagined or would not in a a million years thought that sort of storyline would would be in a show set in the 1940s. Um, But that's just sort of shows, I guess, my um, ignorance to the fact that these things have been around forever.
2: Yeah. I think when we first get an inkling that there is um, a sibling of the mums that's around and Max doesn't really know too much about that and we see that person yep. drive away on a motorcycle. I thought it was going to be there's um I think it was the 50s or 60s, but I don't actually know. It's like there's this black woman who just like rode around America on a motorcycle and she's a fucking badass um and she's a bit of an icon. So I thought she was going to be the character was going to be based on that person who's, you know, a rebel um, and always done their own thing and then to find out that actually uh, it's Max's uncle um, living secretly but openly um, was, yeah, I didn't see it coming. (laughs) And it was really lovely when, you know, Max goes over to his house and meets his wife and hangs out with all his friends. Yeah, it was a really nice side story um, and – with nice moments of support, but also reckoning and confusion for Mm. Max as well. Mm. I
1: thought those elements were really well handled as well. Like Max goes to visit for the first time, confronted by the reality of her uncle, sort of they invite her in, you know, warmly. She Mm. accepts, I'm just going to the bathroom. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. Leaves. I'm so sad. Mm. Comes a few times there are moments like that where it's Mm -hmm. like, she's she's welcomed in, she sort of starts to feel comfortable and all of a sudden she's extremely uncomfortable, Yeah, has to leave again, comes back and forth, trying to figure out how she feels about this just in a general sense, trying to figure out what this means for herself, the haircut but obviously being a very important aspect when she cuts her hair short. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought that stuff, it's obviously very complex. I'm not the right person to be talking about those things in any sort of in-depth way. Mm. I was just excited... And to see it a part of this show, yeah, um, because I, I i didn't I didn't see it being there, and I think it's from at least from my perspective handled really, 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 really well.
2: I think so, but yeah, I'm not, also not the one to ask.
1: Uh, was there anything else about Max's storyline in particular that stood out that you wanted to talk about? Anything that happened, any plot developments or moments? There was the 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 clunkiest bit for me. I didn't hate it because it was cheerworthy. It was the bit where she. I actually, uh, the setup was good where she met that other base woman playing baseball. She was playing for the African American yeah, League that All was going Star around. Yeah. All Star League, thank you. You know, they have a little romantic interlude of some sort. Mm-hmm. Sees her the next day. Finds out she's a baseball player. She's a part of this All Star squad that's getting around. Um, that causes fr- tension and friction. There's a certain like protectiveness that's going on as well mm-hmm. there's only room for one of us unfortunately because of the way society works that then leads to that moment where she pretends to the the player that's playing with the all-stars mm-hmm. pretends to injure herself and then gets max to come out and play
0: mm-hmm.
2: <sighs> yeah i mean Cute, yeah bordering
1: pa- on like yeah i think the only silly. thing
2: that sells it to me is the fact that it's kind of like what do you call them like exhibition games or whatever it is an exhibition game that's true yeah because it's a show more than it's actual i was like oh well that would be good theater for that crowd i can see how um yeah the coach would be like okay um (laughs) yeah so i that's that's what sold it to me but yeah no i i don't disagree with you yeah I just
1: kept thinking, don't they have a backup pitcher?
0: <laughs> Surely that's the whole she's point. Yeah, Surely no, she's that's it. the whole point.
1: You play her in the outfield. She doesn't need to use her arm out. Oh, well, maybe you play her a little bit closer because she needs to throw. But anyway, like whatever. It doesn't matter. It's me being picky. Um, the other, I guess the other character I, I kind of want to talk about, the sort of the third main, if there is one, is Lupe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, particularly she's got her... She's obviously, as you said, a very serious baseball player and a talented pitcher who is being forced to sort of pitch a certain way by Dove to begin Mm. with and then blows her arm up doing that and then has to try to deal with being sidelined, then deal with being coached by Carson. How did you feel about Lupe's storyline?
2: I mean, it was really frustrating. (laughs) It was, um, yeah, like obviously so sad when she's clearly injured and continues to injure herself um, throughout the games when Dove is coaching mm. and her stubbornness was sometimes annoying to me I was like, just don't throw that way or because you're so severely injured, fair enough, sit out. Obviously, within the context, you know that, like, this is everyone's own perhaps only opportunity to play uh, professional sport ever, so... Yeah, you would you would hate to um leave the game. But me as a person I was like, just sit out. But I'm also not competitive, so I find it <laughs> hard to relate to. Um, but I, I enjoyed the insight of um when she's talking to her friend and being like, you know, I it was actually was it Greta or like someone started the fight first and mm-hmm. also um she's incredibly capable and yet they all just um were okay with Carson. Um being coach, um her frustrations were valid, um, and we came to—I came to understand that more and more as the show went on.
1: Um, and they did touch again. She is of like a Latinx um, background as well,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and they touched on that a little bit. There's a couple of conversations with—I think it's—I think it's her and Jess—and like talking about the difference in like um the things she d- just doesn't need to think about that mm. lupe does um which i enjoyed as well and how that's in- an important sort of part and what motivates her too i was surprised i was thinking in the last episode when she's pitching at the end they're pitching to joe and like and she see she's sort of hurting a little bit she's mm. like you know she's at the end of the day and she's struggling a little bit i was waiting for her to sort of like Step Put aside hand up and, and let, say, I, and
2: for the team, I'm going to sit out. Let their yeah, me too. to come
1: in or, 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 or the second pitcher come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't happen. No. I was waiting for that moment. But, and it didn't really need to be there, but I sort of thought that was what it was building towards. How did you feel about the ending of them losing and losing and then Joe being the one, similar to what happens in the movie mm-hmm. where Kit changes yeah. to another team and then ends up sort of being... Um, the the winner for, you know, getting that. The champion, yeah. The champion that, you know, being recognized finally, Mm -hmm. stepping out of the shadow of her big sister. Um, And this instance, it's a very different sort of scenario. Joe wins, but then as she's rounding the first base, fucks her ankle up and apparently yeah. if she doesn't crawl her way around that fucking <laughs> diamond they will be disqualified Yeah, which is the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life yeah
2: that's a ridiculous rule and they if I haven't already should definitely change that rule <laughs> um. but then of
1: course everyone helps her up and walks <laughs> around an incredible act of sportsmanship because that's what it's yeah. all about really guys
2: I mean I was just shocked that I mean I'm sure he was in the world of the show um, but that the announcer wasn't commenting on what was happening on the field I'm like the people at home should really know that this is happening because <laughs> it's a great moment um, in sport history um what do I think about that I thought it was like a really sweet lovely ending and allows our losers to be winners in in their own way which is satisfying um <clears throat> but it
1: also lets them have somewhere to go which I like too yes. and like yeah, yeah. And it's true it's true to the the movie, obviously. Well, as like, well. yeah, I
2: figured they wouldn't win, and it would be yeah. a similar ending because I do think that's a great ending. Um, though, I think I, Kit's I, I a still, shit. I, I yeah, Kit is a fucking shit, and then she's <laughs> so cocky at the end when she's signing I, autographs and like no walks over to Kit. Gina after being a fucking bitch the entire film, um, and she's no. like, "You coming back next year?" And Gina's like, "No, this is my one shot. I was here for you, and you couldn't even give me a fucking championship anyway." <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: Clearly that's not
2: the moral of uh, the film. But what yeah. is the
1: moral of that movie? What
2: is, what I, what Gina James is hot. That's, that's the moral. Um, she looks The moral beautiful. is let
1: your bratty little sibling win occasionally. Yeah. Let them have the controller. It's okay mm-hmm. to let them win at Donkey Kong or whatever.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, though I do think Gina Davis let go of the ball. That's just my personal opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right. That's just, that's, maybe that's my fan fiction. Anyway, (laughs) are we talking about the ending of this show?
1: (laughs) That's the the start of your fan fiction. Your fan fiction goes a lot of other places. Um, Um, I did think it was interesting, actually, in your review that you may, I imagine now you don't imagine yourself as her sister. Anymore in your fancies? You don't imagine yourself as Kit. I was like,
2: oh no, I was never. I was never. You were Damask. Kit. I okay. was never. I was Damask. Yeah, that's how you always, it's always really clear when you're reading fan fiction and it's like, oh, this person has just put themselves so <laughs> they can have sex with all the it? characters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very obvious when that's happening. Um,
1: the a- actually using Mary Sue in an appropriate way, <laughs> not like they are when they cri- people are critiquing the new <laughs> oh, Lord of the Rings show. Anyway.
2: That is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it is ridiculous.
2: Like, did they not watch what Legolas was doing? Yeah. With like he's running up and down elephants for goodness sake, it's ridiculous. Anyway, anyway,
1: wild as it topic. should be because
2: it's Lord of the Rings. Anyway, um, <laughs> what are we tra- the ending? Yeah, um, it-, <laughs> <laughs> it, was- <laughs> uh, it-, it didn't bother me. And like you said, yeah, we've got somewhere to go next year. The Rockford Peaches will be back. It'll be interesting because um, because of their position in society, who will actually be back? Who's Mm. going to be traded? How how different that's going to look will be interesting. I did think about that. There's
1: so much room to like move characters in and Mm -hmm. out as you want to from season to season. And I wonder if it's,
2: um, you know, we've had a Rockford Peach season, maybe. It'll be more scattered across the league. We'll spend time with other teams. Obviously, we're going to be hanging out with Max and her team. Um, So, yeah, who knows? We might not just be spending time with the Rockford Peaches.
0: Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note.
1: Do you have any side notes to mask?
2: Um, I've just got a shit ton of favourite bits, but that's about it. Mm, Go for it. Um. All right. Well, favorite <laughs> bits. Um, <laughs> That's a side note. That's smooth perfect. transition. All right. Uh, firstly, uh, just Darcy Carden making my heart race. She is um, commanding. I'll say that. <laughs> Good lord. Really, really blew my socks off. Um, all the Carson and Greta kisses. The running oh. away. That was like, it's like they made a fem slash. Video YouTube video for me. But just elongated into a full-on show. It was the fact, incredible. The
1: fact that it actually is a league it's of their not, own as well. It, is it possible yeah. they did find one of your... And you just forgot that you wrote this?
2: <laughs> huh, maybe I need to sue someone. Um, no, I'll just sue them for a role in the show where I kiss Darcy Cardinal off. Uh, <laughs> oh, when they first... In the first episode, when they... Um, so we've got Greta, Joe and Carson first coming into the field and one that shot just reminded me of the film. And Mm -hmm. at that point I was really excited and then it pans across their face and um, Joe and Carson just look so joyful. But then Greta is quite like tearful. Um, I don't know. It was just like, it gave me like goosebumps. It was a really lovely moment. Um, All of Clance, like I said, every single moment of her, I fucking loved. Uh, Shirley's rituals when she's up to bat, I don't know, it was just mm. very satisfying to watch um, and a nice handle. just little little moment. And also, this is something I've always wanted ever since I was a little girl, just like a Rockford Peach uniform. I just want one. I love looking at them. They're beautiful.
1: Fair enough. Uh, I've got a couple of side notes. Um, at one point, Nick Offerman's character of Dove mm-hmm. made a joke about making love to a man. But in this show, I just had to suspect that, suspect that that was actually true. Like, the show was so gay. I was like, well, obviously, he's gay too. Like, that's the feeling <laughs> yeah. where this goes.
2: Everyone's gay.
1: Yeah. Everyone's gay. Uh, a line that I enjoyed from the announcer The fad that's spreading faster than fascism, night baseball. <laughs> uh, and there were. I wanted to go quickly through the reference to the film that, that I picked up watching mm-hmm. as well. Already mentioned, Max throwing the ball in the first episode, throwing into the stands, much mm-hmm. like um, the African American woman in the movie. Um, there's also, as you said, so that shot when they enter the stadium for the first time, mm-hmm. very similar. Uh, there's no crying in baseball, a line mm-hmm. that's said many times by Tom Hanks's character as well. Um, I was happy with that inclusion. Uh, Max, at one point, oh, yeah, uh, the pitcher that um, ends up giving her a first break, throws mm. the ball at her and Max catches it, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Max catches the ball. And I was like, that's what Gina Davis does when she first comes across Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna in the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's direct reference. The song, obviously, the All-American League yeah. song. Um, then, probably the one that stood out the most to me as being a- a- egregious, if that makes sense. Oh, was when in the last episode, um, Carson catches the ball behind her back, yeah. which is something the Jeannie Davis character does mm-hmm. in the movie. But I take, I think that's bad because when Jeannie Davis does it in it's in, in the movie, yeah, it's the context is we're trying to make this more entertaining. Yes, because no They've one's to coming put to on see a show. it. Yeah. But in in this one, it's the fucking. It's the championship game. It's Don't be doing that sort of showmanship shit. Like
2: I said in my spoiler-free review, even I, as a child, knew it's championship game. We can't be playing games. Just you know what I mean? A, like this is serious.
1: Take a fucking standard catch and be happy. Yep. With it. Don't be doing that sort of show, showmanship. Mm-hmm. Didn't like that, Carson. Yeah. Oh, well, you uh, missed
2: the the very first one, which was the running to catch the train.
1: Oh, they're the catch train too. And even like yeah. the bit of like, I think in the movie, the conductor just sort of lets them on. And this yeah. one's like, yeah, what? what no. Yeah, was like, <laughs> do you have a
2: ticket? Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true too. Um, uh, we we hadn't mentioned yet the fact that Rosie O'Donnell actually does have a role in this. She
2: is. I, I did wonder if they asked Madonna if she wanted to play her wife. Because that would have been amazing. Mm, that that been would have been cool. That would have been amazing. Um, yes, Rosie O'Donnell is in it. I was, I don't know. I just, that was amazing and I loved that. But I was like, where's Gina Davis? Like, where's everyone? I just wanted, maybe, maybe we'll get that, yeah, as as the show progresses. um. But yeah, that was really, really sweet to see Obviously, tragic circumstances eventually with what happens with that character.
1: But like, uh, what I think is cool about that, it's like, if you think about... Yeah, I don't know. Rosie O'Donnell playing that character as well mm. in this story which is doing way beyond just can women play sports? Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about things like um sexuality and gender identity and that sort of stuff. To give Rosie O'Donnell that being that bridge between the film and the and the show in that sense, I think it was just mm. the exact right sort of role for it. And like more yeah. than just a cameo, it's like it makes it Poignant in some way by including her for, for a role like that. I thought oh, that was. It, it fucking absolutely cool. does.
2: It's amazing how many, we, well, I can only think of two actually, but like Rosie O'Donnell playing like queer coded characters in the 90s. Like, I'm yes. like Now and Then, um, and obviously a League of Their Own, and now obviously things are changing where, because the Now and Then character was, was meant to be
0: mm-hmm. gay.
2: She's clearly a gay character, but obviously. Made to not be in in the film eventually, um, and obviously, yeah, Rosie's more butch character in the film mm-hmm. um, was probably the gayest of the bunch.
1: Absolutely. What are your highlights and lowlights? Starting with your lowlight.
2: Um, oh, lowlight. It's hard to say this, but um, in the first episode, Abby Jacobson's extensions. Because obviously it's before the haircut. Oh right! Speaking of egregious, my god, <laughs> terrible! You can clearly if they're bad. They're bad extensions. You can clearly see what's what's going on. I bad like wig work. So that was my least <laughs> favorite bit. My low light.
1: My mine's similarly like shallow. Mm-hmm. Um, the just the, the, the CGI was a little distracting sometimes. Like when they're throwing the balls and stuff like that. Mm. Like pit like from the outfield back towards like. <sighs> it's not the most important thing in the show because the sport is not the focus Mm -hmm. that much. But I was thinking to myself, like they're trying to make it seem more impressive than the movie by making things like sped up and faster throws and faster pitches. Mm. But it kind of just looked, it looked fake. Whereas- in the movie, although maybe they weren't really that fast or as impressive as they should have been at a professional level, it still just looked like there were people doing it. And so yeah. I bought it way more. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um That was that's that was my main that was my low light. What was your highlight?
2: <sighs> my highlight. Um <laughs>
1: Just, which 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 sex scene yeah, was it yeah i'm just trying to
2: think of which kiss is my favorite <laughs> i've got a montage running in my head um my hmm i think
1: <laughs> just give me top 3 top 3 yeah. no no particular order that's fine
2: i know i really enjoyed the <laughs> I'm not going to say anything weird, but I just feel like it sounds like I'm going to say something weird. Sure. Um, it's when they're in the, the convent and they're just sitting, having like a little picnic in their room. That's really sweet. Oh, I also loved actually when <laughs> they're lying on the grass together and everyone's kind of like, it's at night and mm. everyone's just kind of playing around and they're just having like a cute little conversation and like, I'm about to say Abby, and Carson like turns and it's just a very cute organic conversation and I was like, They've got amazing chemistry, and mm. good God, I want them to kiss just as much as Carson clearly does. And then Joe comes and lays in between them like, ain't that the way? Mm-hmm. Literally any time they're in a scene together, I could just keep listing them. Um, Their first kiss, hot. Um, <laughs> their second kiss, also hot, Um, <laughs> et cetera, etc. cetera. I go on forever.
1: <laughs> um, just, you just reminded me, though, this whole, whole idea of, like, practicing at night with torches is mm. absurd. <laughs> it's the most no. absurd no. that's not possible that's not going to be helpful in any no. way it's just going to be frustrating everyone's going to be getting headaches from trying to see these fucking balls in the dark but
2: it could dumb. be fun though no then they just would, start playing no. spotlight don't they
1: Yeah, that's the thing it was yeah. it was more of a end up being more of a bonding thing yeah. okay fine the idea of actually practicing baseball at night that was dumb. <laughs> um my highlight i think in general is just like the conviction and the courage of the show to do its own thing. It has some big stuff to talk about. It goes, does a lot more the, the than the original film does. And it just goes all the way with all its ideas. You know, mm-hmm. it's not half-arsing anything. If it's got something to say, um, even if it might be controversial, even if people might go, um, you know, that's not true to the original film or this isn't what was happening at the time or whatever. I don't care what it was. It knew what it wanted to do. Mm-hmm. and it fucking did it and it was like as you said like this, this show is super gay and it mm-hmm. like it didn't ever want to pretend it wasn't and every yeah. episode just told me how much he just got gayer and gayer and it's like <laughs> it you just gotta you just gotta give it props for that um no, I think I think that, that the conviction and the courage of the show, I think, is the thing that, that I think is the highlight. Uh, predictions, hopes... Right, well,
2: yours and, was clearly deeper sense. than mine was, and I'm the gay one. I was just like, oh, no, it was hot. Jeez, oh, <laughs> what a loser. Anyway, I was
1: I was trying to think of, like, moments necessarily, and there wasn't mm. necessarily big moments that stood out. It was more like, I think, episodes. There, were, there, there was really good episodes, if that makes sense, that were like... Um, that were contained episodes while keeping the story going. I can talk about sort of stuff as well, but there was no, like... It's not like Stranger Things Season yeah. 4 where, like, I couldn't stop talking about the fucking run-up. This that one bit. thing, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't that. It didn't have that. It was more just I was impressed with the show as a whole. Uh, yeah, predictions, hopes, and concerns.
2: Um, my concern is that we won't get a season two.
1: <clears throat> I I think it's happening. I I would
2: hope so. I don't. I don't know.
1: I think I think what happening based on the fact that Paper Girls has already been cancelled. Like that happened mm. super quick. Yeah. Um, by the same studio, and I don't know. There seems to be a lot of positive talk around season two. So that's yeah. But um, fair concern.
2: Yeah. So that's always a concern when I really love something. Mm. Uh. My hope is that while – and this is also, I guess, a bit of a concern – is because now that Max is leaving, um, those two stories are diverging even more and we don't have her with Clance. So I'm a little worried about that situation and maybe that story not being as compelling as it was in Season Um, 1. And predictions – I think we'll have some team mix-ups um and because of that I think I reckon we might spend a bit of time with at least one other team. Sure.
1: I think we're going to be introducing new players as you said there is that mm-hmm. opportunity people got other stuff going on in their lives this is you know not a professional sport, although they are getting paid more. A lot of them are getting paid more than they've ever gotten in their their life. So I guess it is professional sport in some ways, but Mm. people got other stuff going on, husbands, families, all that sort of stuff. People will move in, people will move out, Um, which would be good. Great. way. Or people will get traded even. It'll be cool to mix it up. Maybe even new teams. I wondered whether, because it's like a four team league, Mm. right? Whether because it is successful, whether it will expand. And so there will be more teams, there'll be more competition. I have a theory that they will be given a new male manager that will be mm. forced on the Peaches, which will create a different sort of tension when they are content with Carson at this stage mm. and they've got, you know, whether it's Dove or someone else, sort of, and then there's going to be that um, conflict of of power and who's leading, um, which would make sense. I think what will be interesting from the perspective of, like, what's happening with Carson and... Mm. Greta, way we don't really know what's happening, the Charlie thing at the end is like, okay, whatever, No, I don't care about Charlie that much. Yeah. Um, but more attention and more celebrity means what they're doing is going to be harder to hide. Whether that's just them or the numerous gay women in the league. Because mm. half of them are in that fucking bar. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be hard to hide and so that's going to create friction and tension. Obviously, I've got a feeling you're talking about Max being on the road. And I think that will be a storyline for two or three episodes, but my guess is that Max is going to end up um, back in Rockford, maybe not as a peach, but back close enough. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether she might get scouted for a new t- So if there's an expansion of the league, mm-hmm. maybe what they do is that they there is she gets scouted for an another team or maybe an all-black team. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like if they've got the black league essentially in the men's, maybe they'd... You know, they need players. There's obviously talent here. So there's like the one women's African-American team mm-hmm. and they're sort of segregated in their own way. Or Max does become a peach somehow and is sort of treated differently than the rest of the women. Um, that's, that's most of it. But I think they're going to find a way to get Max into that league one way or another. Mm, is my I case. hope so. I think I think it'd be good to tie it to tie it back in, and again, yeah, just make it a different team in a different city, whatever it is. She has to, yeah, I don't know. We'll be interested to see how it goes. That's it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Lottie Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordas, on Twitter at bgordas, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, damask.
2: Uh, I'm nowhere personally, but if you want to get in touch, just tweet at the Hunting Seasons Twitter or email us, whatever you want.
1: Next episode, we'll be back with an off topic, hot topic episode, and then again, uh, following that, um, with a review of Barry Season 3. Looking forward to that. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.
0: Bye. Good night, everybody. And so,